All right. So let's just get it going. And uh, we want to thank you for coming on today and introduce yourself, introduce yourself and your page. You know, it's like an alter yeah. ego sometimes. <laughs> running the page, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I'm my name is Patrick. And then um, uh, the Mariner Muse guys, it's me, uh, my friends, Travis, Charlie and Anthony, all four of us went to high school together. Uh, and about 2016, I would say Travis and I had just got done with college and decided to start a newsletter. I had been doing random sort of late, like rise of sports blogging era Mariners blogs. Uh, I ran for like a summer. It was one of the weirder summers in my life. I interned for the Everett Aqua Sox and ran Soto Mojo at the same time. You're listening to the Sports on Tap Seattle podcast. I'm Sammy and with me as always is my older brother, George. Your favorite place to be a fan of Seattle sports. Now let's get this party started. Gino, are you ready? Are you ready? You're ready. That's pretty cool. Which was super chaotic because I just <laughs> never had time to do anything because I was at the same, like interning with Everett Ox Sucks, but it was just, you know, I was a sophomore in college, so, or about to be a junior, so I was just kind of like bouncing back and forth. That was like 12 years ago, maybe. Uh, and uh, Charlie's run Soto Mojo before as well. He, he and Anthony both contributed at Soto Mojo. So we kind of have this sort of old Mariners internet background, maybe not as much as some of the, some of the old folks, but about 2016, Travis wanted to do something Mariners related. Uh, he's really good at initiating projects. So he and I were doing a newsletter for a while. Charlie and Anthony were contributing about a year into it. We made the Twitter account and I would say the newsletter stopped maybe about six months after the Twitter account. Yeah extending it to like 100 150 people and not doing too much but it was something fun for us to do and we kind of just ran out of steam with it as as things go and then in like 2021 i would say was when um we started maybe getting a little few more followers on our twitter account and i think kind of part of why um the account has gotten to where it is is because a lot of those sort of stat muse accounts started popping up mm -hmm. yeah. all over the place for various different teams. Uh, ours was not ever that and still isn't really like, you know, we've never had like the, the pixelated image of the Mariners player as our, as our <laughs> profile picture. But I kind of think that's kind of why it took off and what it was. We, that was just the name of our mute of our newsletter, our newsletter, actually what we used to <laughs> <Newsletter>. <laughs> Freudian slip there but uh yeah I it literally it just came out out of that and I think that's part of why in like last season when the Mariners were really good that stuff started to um pick up because we kind of people just assumed that we were kind of the Muse Mariners account and it's it's never really been like that but obviously as an old Mariners internet person I think it's been a real um delight to you know have an account like that and you know be able to talk to Mariners fans everywhere and we just kind of enjoy the general um back and forth and and knowing a lot of people in the Mariners internet but I yeah I think it, it, it's it definitely got a lot harder this year I would say it was like just very it was it was a it was a battlefield uh in Mariners 
last year. So, you know, happy that it kind of has gotten to where it's gotten. Uh, and we're, we're just kind of, we, we, we love our place in, in the Mariners internet and feel good mm-hmm. about it. No, that's pretty cool. And why would you say it's been a battlefield this year? Like in general, like what, what would you say made it different is just because expectations versus what happened. Yeah. You know, I think it's kind of what's, what's been hard for the Mariners has been hard for the Mariners internet. It's, you know, it's so much easier. We to, can't, we have bad batting averages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can't, can't run from third. Uh, no, I, I think it's so much easier to be a fan of the team that's, you know, rising. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so much, and when you're doing a lot of good things, uh, in the background to, to go from a place where your team is not very good to a place where your team is getting better, I think it's a lot easier and simpler to both be a manager of a team as well as a, a fan of a team. But when you get to the point where they got at the end of 2022 and it doesn't improve, it doesn't keep in, uh, inclining, that's not the ascending, uh, the it gets harder. And I think that a lot of what plagued Mariners Twitter over the offseason was an assumption that it was going to get better regardless because of the decisions that were being made versus a skepticism about bad decisions. No, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say bad decisions necessarily, but a skepticism over the de- whether the decisions would continue to help the team ascend. And where we arrived was sort of those factions kind of going at each other pretty regularly, a lot of kind of uh, uh, hostile hostility across um, those groups. And, and I think yeah. where where you ended up is kind of where we deserve to end up as a collective at the end of the year, which mm. was just frustratingly coming up short because of that stuff that we had been bickering about all all season right it kind of reared its ugly head like everyone's like the issues that people had in the off season ended up being the actual issues that probably put us where we were where we missed the playoffs and unfortunately yeah i don't know if anyone was necessarily right like all the time or whatever but the discussions that everyone were having ended up being the important discussions because yeah man if they're just like a little bit better to start the season had a cushion going into those last few games right and i always say like in just the organization itself i feel like and i i say it in in jest right like they need to be a big boy organization at some point and it's hard when your owner might be the least cash rich owner in baseball so like which one is it it's really hard to like you can't blame the guy right if you run a business and you are the poorest restaurant in your neighborhood you're probably going to have a little less money to spend on your restaurant but as fans of a team, we don't want to hear that. Yeah, I think, you know, what the kind of general comment about their trajectory that I was saying earlier is is what, like, the Mariners, it's so it's such a good spot for the Mariners organization mm-hmm. to be, okay, we're going to tear down this expensive team and be a team on the rise. And once you <laughs> exhaust all of that, you actually have to, like, take the next step. And that's what they're r- running up against is – that they're not really an organization that's naturally equipped to becoming that sort of juggernaut. And Mm -hmm. obviously that's led to all the problems that have been being, have been discussed over the past month. So, 
Yeah, I think that it's interesting because it felt like they were trying to become that team last year. I think the Luis Castillo <laughs> trade was a I, – I, I want to word it correctly, but it was almost – it was a really good step forward, right, compared to the offseason. The Absolutely. mid-year last year, I said, wow, the trade for Luis Castillo means this team's like – one of the first – usually the Mariners, I mean, especially the last 20 years, have been either sellers or just not involved. That trade never happened. Matter. Yeah, that like, never happens in the history. My whole childhood, right? Our whole childhood. We, we weren't seeing Luis Castillo, like an ace, one of the top 10 pitchers in baseball, be traded to the Mariners midseason to make a playoff push. And that was on top of an offseason where, yes, Julio is not a signing, obviously, but like you had some of the farm finally coming up. You signed Robbie Ray, another important piece. So I felt like a good, you know, progression. But then you come to this year and I want to say it in two ways because it's not as negative maybe as it seems after not making the playoffs, right? Because, okay, we we won 88 games, and the two teams we were only two games behind are playing to go to the World Series right now. So, yes, there is some positives in that technically. I, I hate to be the technical guy, but <laughs> it, we were right there, right? But it feels this day, close. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we ended up selling this Kind of. We sort of. Yeah. It was like a weird situation. We sort I mean, of sold I think at you the deadline. Pretty, say, pretty much say you sold when the yeah. closer that the, basically the only move you made was trading the guy that's the closer for one of the teams in the NLCS. I just, <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I know obviously like Rojas came in and Rojas isn't like a young guy and he came in and he st- stabilized the position. But yeah, I mean, I think you can pretty well say that you sold. I'm, I'm pretty <clears> hard line on, on saying that that was a sell. Look, yeah, like when the, the team when the team is saying it's a sell, when the players are coming out and getting frustrated and yeah. saying we were sellers, we were sellers. Like, however way we want to spin it, we were sellers at the deadline. If we got enough, if we had a good enough offer for To, we would probably sold traded To too. Sadly, yes. <laughs> Look, but that's how the team is. But now <laughs> that's where you know you said this year was tough because of those different things, and I guess. How do you see it, right? Do you see it like because because I mentioned that on purpose, the fact that I hate to be like the oh we were only two games away guy, but we technically were two games away from the two teams that are playing for the World Series. Which is there's some pros to that, but the con is everything we just mentioned, right? That we didn't buy it this off season and all these different things. Where do you see it? Because there has to be still some. I would say compared to the last 20 years, there's still some sense of optimism. Have, having people like Castillo and Kirby and Gilbert and Julio and if, if Kelnick can figure it out and all these different pieces, it's definitely better from the past 18 years before these last two. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd say pretty definitively this is the most talented the Mariners have been um, in their history with the exception of 1995 through 2001. Like pretty, pretty unequivocally uh so and the the organization has done a great job uh supplying that talent um where i think the 2023 season went wrong is so much of what's gotten the mariners to this point with the exception of the just no-brainer walking walking into some person's house in the dominican republic and signing like the one of the five best players in baseball uh, when he was 16 years old, which is obviously like a huge part of why the Mariners are where they are is just lucking into a generational center field player um, like that. But I, I think part of why they, 
the 2023 season played out how it was. Because so much of what got the Mariners to the end of 2022, losing that series to the Astros, but still feeling like they, you know, broke through the the glass ceiling of making the playoffs, is because of the creativity of what they had done. I think they were notorious for kind of cycling through and finding creative avenues. Like the Padres trade in 2020 was one of the more creative and just slam dunk awesome things that they could have done. They were in the second year of a rebuild. The pandemic was going on. It was crazy. And they got a first baseman, a backup catcher, a back end reliever, and the guy who was supposed to be the slam dunk, Taylor Trammell, um, who was supposed to be like a pretty everyday, if not fourth outfielder, and they made that move for a guy who's ended, who was just a historic overperformer. And and trades like that were kind of, and you know, obviously that's not a trade that's that aged great in 2023 as much as it would have in like 2021 or 2022. But moves like that, finding that in the chaos of 2020 is why the Mariners got to where they are. And for me essentially being locked into two trades um, from the jump of the offseason. Like, second day of the offseason or whenever it was, uh, it was, like, really early on uh, in the in the period, they made that deal for Teo. And mm-hmm. they, they had that in the holster. There's just no way that was like, all right, this is the move we're going to make. And then the other one was, okay, we have to get rid of Jesse Winker let's do it in a way that it fills the other hole with a guy that we've liked for years and not, and not really like think twice about it. Okay. Bring him in. And then that was it. Like they were, they were, they, they, they made a couple of other, and this is what they're so good at is sort of the machinations for these relievers that they sort of discover. And I love that. I mean, I think it's so much more preferable to, and people forget this, like the DePoto, DePoto only spent money on shitty veteran relievers. Sorry, I, can I swear? You can <laughs> yeah. swear as much as you want, yeah. Okay, good. DePoto only spent, like, all he did in free agency his first three years was spend on shitty veteran relievers. Like, like Juan Nicasio, Mark Ratchinsky, uh, like these, uh, Alex Colomay, who was actually fine. But, like, these, these guys that were just kind of uh, – you know, like very meh veteran arms were the only like free agent contracts they were giving out. And the, to go from that to in a, in a way that makes it better for the rest of your roster to, you know, have the money to allocate to other parts of your roster and be able to discover these guys that do one or two things well, and you can mold them into great relievers. That's what the organization's the best at. But basically, that was all that they were planning to do after they made the two trades. They were like, okay, plug Teo into one hole, plug Colton Wong into the other hole, we're good. And, you know, they went and got A.J. Pollock. Um, I've been told that they had to, like, ask for the money to be able to do that. They didn't have it, and they were like, we need $7 million, please. And they, they got it. And I think I'm convinced that part of the reason why they – um, ended up not reinvesting the money that they got for um, the Trevor Gott trade from the Mets is that mm-hmm. they 
needed the money to backfill the fact that they had signed Pollock and weren't good, so couldn't you know build their budget. They were just like, these are the two moves we need to make, and we're done. And it was just so, and you know, the trade market. They they said they misread the trade market, or whatever. But it was just so not. It wasn't creative, and they're so notorious for finding trades that no one ever would would think of and that's how they got to this point so it's just really like they made the the robinson cano trade for jared kelnick now obviously that's like maybe a one in a million thing where cano's agent is the gm of the mets but (laughs) they were they're so good at depoto's front office is so good at coming up with creative solutions and so much of 2023 starting with the, the november december 2022 was just not creative in the slightest it was the most just like here's the two things we need to do and kind of resting on our laurels and to a certain extent i think they'll be they'll be forced to be more creative um going forward because that's the strength and that's how they were able to build back obviously they do a great job of drafting incredibly young players but Yeah. yeah it's just uh it was just a huge Nothing like, and not to keep sort of hitting this point, but you know, they didn't use a player outside of the organization until August 1st. They every player that played the first four months of the season was in the organization on opening day, and I just can't, I can't believe they did that. Like, they weren't, they weren't, and I was like, wow, damn, yeah, they weren't good enough in the first half of the season to do that. And they're so inventive and creative. Like they found Carlos Santana in like late June last year. And right. they, they're so, their lack of urgency, I guess, was so shocking. Um, and their, and their, their, cre- their lack of creativity was just, I just think they got away from what got them to the dance in the first place mm-hmm. in 2023. And so I'm hoping you know they have a lot a lot of good stuff going forward but i'm hoping that they can they really sort of get the nose to the grindstone with some interesting stuff going forward do, do you think the poto's hands were tied is that maybe why like you said like with the Pollock deal and like all that like is that cuz why you you wonder you sit there and you know there's this team has a good opportunity the fan base is itching the all-star game is coming here like this was a time to really really capitalize on like success and I think it would have made them more money down the line anyway. I know they're frugal, but it would have made them more money to really capitalize on this. I'm going to add one thing before you answer that, because yeah. I also want to add to to what George just asked, because and you you mentioned it, which is, is it was it maybe like that by mid year even that they weren't making big trade? Like let's we'll start with that off season thought, you know, knowing what this year is going to be, but then also by mid season. Is it mostly because of where we were at, like another year with a slow start also? Because maybe, and I'm not defending Stanton at all, but as an owner, you might look at this Mariners team and say, last year they were really not that good in the beginning of the year, and it took a hot run. And again, for a second year in a row, they're not that good in the beginning. Actually bad, I would say, I mean, compared to what we're supposed to be. So as an owner, are you saying, "Mm, maybe they're not, like this is not that team, right? And I think Cal's comments uh, at the trade deadline was, it's clear that maybe the organization doesn't believe in this group and we have to prove them wrong. Yeah, so about the sort of the limitations, I would say that it's very clear that the way that DePoto 
chooses to and the the front office chooses to operate is the most optimal way you can operate within the restrictions is, mm-hmm. is what they're going for so they i think that they would do a lot of what they do even without the restrictions but the but the way that they operate is specifically we want to try to have the most success we can within the limitations that they're operating mm-hmm. And I think that was a lot of the off season. I think that they may have been a bit blindsided by the payroll restrictions they had this off season. Right. Um, because I, I do think there was sort of an expectation and I don't know, I don't know why, but I do think there was sort of an expectation um, that they would be able to have more to play with in the off season after 2022. To your point, Sammy, I think the way that they get more is by showing that they are close and getting more will put them over the top. That's how they were able to do the Castillo trade and extension in 2022, which is not something that they've basically ever been able to do. The Julio Rodriguez extension, I think, is a reflection of... It being very obvious that this guy is the signature player and that the path to success with him there for his entire career is much easier and an investment in him similar to what to why I think that John Stanton would be would be willing to pay for Otani if he um, decided he wanted to come to Seattle. Mm-hmm because the the business case of you're almost always going to be good he's going to sell an enormous amount of merch and tickets and everything else and your and your restaurant and bar across the street <laughs> yeah exactly hatback will be popping yeah. but i do think like that's part of why they did the julio extension and part of why they were able to do the castillo trade and extension is it was very obvious that they were successful in 2022 at the time of that trade. And so it was, they were able to say, Hey, we're we want to go get this guy and we want to be able to like put something together for him mm-hmm. because he's the kind of player that raises our floor. And so I, I, th- I think that that's how they get the money is by being competitive. But the problem is if you limit them in the off season and they, they roll out, Tommy LaStella and AJ Pollock on the opening day roster because they only have nine million dollars to spend in free agency after they make the after they fill the holes. That's that's where that team's not gonna even be able to perform even with historical pitching performance that they got in the first like six weeks to two months. And then you're not gonna be able to get the money to improve the team when you come around. So it's just like it's kind of a vicious cycle and they just need they need to be able to get to 200 million like that's that's really the bottom yeah. line to me is they they don't always have to run a 200 million dollar payroll but if they have an opportunity to bring in a player that's going to improve the team significantly for 15 million dollars a year they have to be able to do that like they're not yeah. they, they're just so handicapped if they don't know if they have 5 million to spend at any time like it's, I think it's so difficult. Yeah. To it sounds like your thoughts are essentially that if 
like when Stanton knows that it's somebody like an Otani or Rodriguez or Castillo, like I'm going to have a star for five years. Maybe the spending's more possible compared to a, okay, this is an eight, $9 million player that might be around for two, three years. Like how is this going to work over a long-term period? Or like, it's like those, those middleman moves, right? That's where a lot of the issue comes from. It sounds like more than it is, oh, I wouldn't pay for Juan Soto if he walked in or Otani if he walked in. Yeah, I think it's just difficult to make impactful moves if you don't know that you have the money to do so because a lot of these other owners have the money to do so uh, and and the GMs and these players will just go where the money is. Right. And it's, you know, it's a challenge to get guys to come to Seattle, too. That's the other thing is, especially offense, you know, it's if you're on a one year, if you're on a one year deal and you're trying to get a long term deal out of a one year deal, your agent it's not the place to be. <laughs> like, like Will Myers or Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Will Myers is a bad. Well, he tri- like if he was a free agent, there's no way he would have come here for the year before him. But like he just got right. sent here. And you saw what it did. He hit like one two twenty seven at home, right? Points worse. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like two seventy versus like two ten. Yeah, exactly. And uh, like a will a guy like Will Myers, who the the Mariners or Mariners fans were interested in as like a AJ Pollock type bench bat. Now he was terrible this year, but what he did was he signed in Cincinnati, which is like the tiniest ballpark in the league. And he signed a contract that paid him $7 million if he was on Cincinnati for the whole year and $9 million if he got traded. And it's, it's like, that's, that's the most like blatant, like that's what these veterans who are trying to get one more big contract are going to do. They're going to sign with a team that they know they're going to be able to hit in the ballpark and they are going to, you know, try to cash in on, on the back end. And those kind of players aren't good for the Mariners because they don't, know if the money's going to be there and they're not going to, you know, be able to cash in on the back end unless they have like a really outlier season. So you either have to like pay that pay, overpay when you don't have the money. So it's, it, they're backed into a corner um, with the financial restrictions. It's right. a bummer. Um, it is. That's why I was like, I mean, I joke about it sometimes. I'm like, don't own a baseball team. Go yeah. put your money, go invest your money in something else. <laughs> like just leave our baseball team alone, but it's too late now really. So yeah, it's frustrating. Cause like, I know that, you know, it's a business they have to make money. It's such a rare business that people care about the success of it right. from a non-financial standpoint. Like, kind yeah, of, like a, a non-worker kind of, or owner of the yeah, business cares a lot about what you're doing. Yeah, Maybe more good, right? <laughs> yeah. to a certain extent. So you have to run it you have to run it with the fact that it's a public good in mind. And it, it's frustrating. It's Seattle has so much money in it. There's no, there's no real reason to run the Seattle Mariners like a small business when you know, Seattle has like five of the biggest corporations in the entire world that, that are headquartered here. And yeah, like two out of the top, like five or six richest people in the world are yeah. <laughs> in Bellevue <laughs> sitting there. It's, there's just it's crazy that that it's it's run the way it is but um and yeah and i think so with that operating in mind like i think that there's a lot of people that get frustrated that people sort of put that on depoto to a certain extent and i think that's where a lot of the division in the fan base comes or at least the the online fan base comes down is people just kind of 
not people criticizing the front office for financial for not having as much money. Right. And they were essentially if 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 Dakota was given the money to say he you can go sign Soto. You can go do what the Padres did this year. DePoto probably would have said, "Sure, we'll take Machado, Tatis, yeah. and Soto, no problem." Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think, and I think the biggest part problem with that is the way he personally projects that is so like fishy and and not genuine. <laughs> like the way that he he projects pride in being able to cut corners with creative trades and. The way he just always endorses the we're doing our best within the financial uh, mm-hmm. restrictions we have strategy as some sort of big brain, um, yeah. like genius baseball strategy. Like the right. I mean, don't want to hear that. Yeah, and we all have a friend like that. You know, a guy who's like, I saved, you know, $37 this month on my electric bill by turning off my mic, unplugging my microwave. And like, you're like I don't care, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> and DePoto's that guy in yeah, a baseball and, sense. And, you know, fans don't want to hear that. And I think that that's kind of like the ongoing, like long-term tension with DePoto is that the way he talks about the baseball team and his and the and the moves that they make as you know the the way he has to necessarily endorse what he's doing um and the way he decides to sort of you know parrot it as cutting edge stuff has always been attention and then obviously you know last month is it last month by now no i guess it was a couple weeks ago you know that press conference happens, and you know I've never I've never seen anything like that because I think that it it represented what a lot of what people have been saying about Topoto. I don't know specifically if that's been my biggest issue with him, but I think that's been a lot of people's biggest issue with him. And the way it boiled over was just so crazy. Yeah, uh, I was, and that I, was going to be like my follow up. Yeah. That was like one of the first times I've ever seen GM's like whole press conference get clipped up, not just for the Mariners, but you don't see that from any other team in any sport. I never hear John Schneider from the Seahawks' clip-ups of his post-press conference. This was the first time for like an organization I saw that everybody, including other, you have like John Boy talking about it, and ESPN MLB is posting. Like everyone's like, What's this guy saying about like you making the fans feel stupid saying 54%? Yeah. And gosh, the, the congressman <laughs> tweeted about it today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, I, that was an all time low for us. That's crazy. <laughs> it's just, um, I think that what happened was Mariners fans were probably more attentive to it um, than usual because they needed they wanted answers about what happened and they wanted to hear sort of what was going to get better. And I think what, what he said landed so poorly and people were so angry about the very specific response. What the way he chose to, to talk about it was, was so nearly the worst possible way to discuss it that it blew up and you're right. I mean, these, these post season press conferences don't get aggregated. They don't really get talked about. They'll, you know, the media will tweet what they said, but that's because they usually just say very boilerplate things. And he really, to a certain extent, he lost his head in, in what he was saying. Like he, 
I, I don't know if he has tension with Aaron Levine, who's a great, like, legendary Seattle uh, sports uh, journalist here in town. He's been in town for 15, 20 years and um, asked him that question. And I don't know if he's got beef with some folks in the media and just got frustrated with uh, what the kinds of questions he was getting asked. But, I mean, he lost – He there's no – I mean, you could – two days later, he obviously was – some version of apologetic about it, but he, he, he lost the plot with it. And that's just such a crazy moment that really like there were so many ways that this season could have just like fizzled out over the last like two weeks and just kind of been like, okay, well we're on to the next, we're turning the page. And it's crazy that somebody who manages the media so well, stepped in it as much as he did and made this like there's so much more hyper awareness about how they've been operating the last year now as a result of that press conference it's crazy yeah like cal raleigh obviously saying we should have spent the off season was a big deal and that was kind of a mini story but they could have easily diffused it and instead that's going to be what gets talked about with the Mariners like nationally for the next <laughs> six to nine months. It's, right. it's, it's crazy. And, and they, there's so many ways they could have diffused it. And it's, it's, it's legitimately so crazy how they picked the worst possible Avenue for it to go. And obviously in t- unintentionally, but it's, it's going to f- stick with them for so long as a result of how, badly they manage that yeah i mean i want to bring up one thing for a second because you did mention the tweet i just want to for anybody that's wondering what the tweet was because i think it's worth it i brought it up from this your guys's page it was uh was a republican adam smith representative adam smith (laughs) yeah representative uh, adam smith it seems jim jordan is taking advice from kevin mccarthy on how to count votes that's like taking advice from Jerry Depoto and the Seattle Mariners on how to win a World Series. Yeah, and it's not just no. like that's not like a Mariners fan joke. He said Jerry <laughs> Depoto and the Seattle Mariners. That's yeah. like that press conference has landed with that guy, and he thinks <laughs> Depoto is a hack. Yeah, and that's right. crazy. Like Depoto, in political jargon, like we're talking about Jerry Depoto. <laughs> yeah, it's like there are people that think Depoto is a hack, but I feel like that was an extreme online opinion mm-hmm. and like a, you pay really close attention to the Mariners and you hear Jerry DePoto's weekly radio interviews and you get pissed off because he says stupid stuff sometimes kind of opinion. And now like, because of that clip, it's, it's so stunning in how poor of a choice it was because I don't think anyone like he, <laughs> I, I have a little harsher character. I, I have a harsher way to say this, but I don't think anyone cared about how the Mariners were operating their team on a national level. Hmm. And he was kind of just able to exist, you know, the 54% thing, which I want to just say the 54% thing is very clearly a reference to their specific winning percentage this year. And that's, I think, how that became about. People are always like, talking about like the merits of it. It's just, he just said like that number because that's how many games they won this year. (laughs) But 
the fifty four percent thing, that kind of like general philosophy of we're gonna try to be just good enough to get in the playoffs every year without having to sacrifice anything that compromises our ability to do that year after year. Um, that mentality, no one would care that Jerry Depoto was running the team like that. People would probably praise Jerry Depoto's team. I mean, the, the people that like decided to like write columns about how winning fifty four percent of your games on a regular basis is actually like a good goal. Like that, that's like not necessarily a bad thing. And he could have like gotten away with, with running the team like that for to the ire of maybe like 25% at most Mariners fans and no one really caring. But the way he went about that in that press conference, everyone in baseball across the country now knows about that. And the, and the thing that they know about how, how Jerry DePoto runs the Mariners is he runs it conservatively without the goal to win the World Series and trying to not, you know, doom the team by spending too much money and and setting them back. And that's so bad for the Mariners, yeah. like, to, to have that be the national reputation. Like, just let their national reputation be the fact that they have Julio Rodriguez in center field and George Kirby is one of the best young – and they're amazing at developing young pitching and they – They're on their way. And they're on their way up. That's yeah. it. Simple as that. We don't need the attention that – I, I think – he probably wishes he didn't say it, right? I mean, oh, I mean, a hundred percent. Like, and he wasn't planning on saying it, but like you said, he maybe has a bad relationship with someone, and he lost his cool. And when you lose your cool, sometimes you say stupid shit, and he he got caught some saying some stupid shit. It's yeah. it's like it's mind boggling. He he he's so good at occupying the fifty four percent position. Like he's so good at running the team be just over 500 uh, on the brink of playoff contention every year and you know sometimes it'll work sometimes it won't and that's like the philosophy but the fact that he said that in the press conference and the way that he said it is going to make it harder for him to actually do that going forward because the spotlight on him doing that again like if they win 87 games next year and miss the playoffs again because the rangers and astros are too good they it'll be the same thing again it'll be like this guy runs the team like this and it doesn't work yeah and i think one big part of that also that i think is so interesting about the situation is you've you've kind of mentioned it but it's like it's also the way you say things sometimes right and he had the ability to mention the 54 percent, but also mention it maybe in a different way like adding on to the point that that's not necessarily always our goal, but that's like the benchmark, but we'd love to win more than that. Like he wasn't even trying to like BS himself. He kind of like, he was literally saying like, we're doing you a favor and it's going to be at this, this mark here. And on top of that, he's not trying to tell us that he's trying to take the next step at some point and get better than that. So he, he could have done a much better job because if you break down the 54% thing, yes, you could logically understand what he means, right? Like, I know he gets a lot of hate for it, but... The Diamondbacks got less than 54% in an NLCS. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah no, we get it. Yeah, if, if, if you have 54% and you start to make the playoffs, and that's fine. Like, I'm not saying there's anything super wrong with it, but it's the fact that he wasn't trying to explain that the goal is 54% maybe at a minimum, and then, like, our goal is to maybe even be above that. He made it so clear that the goal is to stay there and then added the, you know, doing a favor part and then added on top that other teams will essentially be crippled 
AKA teams like the Texas Rangers who are on the ALCS who, because they signed these guys. Cause they signed Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager and, uh, and cripple me for, for a world series. I yeah, don't like, care. <laughs> in a couple, a couple years, they're going to be so like in such a bad place where it's like, we're the only team to never make a world series. And we're telling other teams that if you sign players, <laughs> you're not going to be set up for success. So I just can't comprehend necessarily why he wasn't able to say it, but with maybe some added, like, let me, let me say what I want to say, but with some like sugar coating, right? Like it, it was very unpresidential is a good way to put it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think it's totally what you said. It's the way he said it. It's really not, it doesn't matter. The people that were sort of parsing the actual things that he said are less, it's less relevant than the way he said it. And I think that the media reaction specifically was people in the media in Seattle that are tired of the way he talks to them reacting Mm -hmm. the way that they did. I, I think people in the Seattle media, especially KJR, um, shout out to shout out to everyone at KJR. Uh, but I think hearing hit the way he does interviews and the way he talks about, and especially cause I think they have maybe more like real, like Seattle Mariners fans over there mm-hmm. like, to a certain extent. Part of why I think Mike Salk talks about the Mariners the way he does is because he's not from here and he doesn't care about the Mariners, but there's more actual Mariners fans on KJR, they're like like real like like born and raised from Mariners Seattle. Fans. We yeah. grew up as Mariners fans, and we care about this team. We don't actually care about baseball maybe as much as some of the some of the folks at the other station. Now that's hmm. not true up and down, but like the minutia of baseball. But you get more of like the real like Seattle people mm-hmm. over there, and I think the part of the reaction that pissed people off so much is this guy is running my baseball team. And he's talking to me. I'm a person in the media, but also I'm a Mariners fan. He's talking to me in the way that he's talking to me. And I am so offended by the way that he is talking to me, the Mariners fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest problem, right? Is because if he had just gone about it and not made a story out of it and kind of just talked it through in the most sort of guarded, uh, media safe manner, this wouldn't be a problem. We wouldn't be talking about it. It would have blown over. You'd have asked me who the Mariners should sign in free agency already, <laughs> and it, it 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 we wouldn't it, we wouldn't be thinking about it. But he did it in the way that he does it. He turned his sort of smarm, like I know more than you do, up to a eleven in the press conference in front of the media, and they cooked him for it because they're tired of the way he talks to them like that all the time. That's all. That's the only way he does interviews. And and that's why he got cooked. And the the viral uh, videos were just because of the ridiculousness of what he said. But a lot of it was totally out of context because they don't listen to Jerry Depoto interviews on a regular basis. But the people that do and the, that it, the way he communicates pisses off pisses off that they were like lit on fire over it. And like it's just, they were oh, sick of it, and he got sick of it to yes. the point where he, like you said, he went to an eleven, and he was they like, "I'm going all in." Though that he was saying the things he was saying because he, <laughs> yeah. he says he's like microaggressive all the time about the the confidence he has in the way he runs the baseball team, but it was like to a insane degree, and I think it's just like the the I I mean I remember the way I watched the 
the clip that Jake Garcia posted the first time, I was just like, this is, is this AI? Like, I can't believe <laughs> like he's, he's you never know these days. Brazen. Because it yeah. was just like such a, such an escalated version of his normal sort of like, yeah, the no, doing you a favor was better. like next yeah. level. Like I'm doing oh, you a favor, you know, like your team's not gonna be crippled in eight years. And it was like, oh, he's, he's defending himself at like, like you said, 11 instead of like, he, he's taking it to a whole nother level where like, listen guys, I got you to the damn playoffs after 20 years. I'm right. And you guys are wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, but I think there's also a frustration on his end too, not just by the media and stuff, by his restrictions too. Like I'm sure, you know, as much as like I hate to say it, but they're kind of puppets for the ownership group too, him and Scott. Yeah. Like, and at the end of the day, they're just like any one of us. If we were in that position, we want to keep our job as general manager and and manager of the Seattle Mariners. We might have to, you know, sit on the sword for for the ownership group and i think that frustration goes to that as well i don't think he's only frustrated at the media I'm fr i think he's frustrated by the handcuffs he has to wear too yeah i've seen i've seen people say that like if he if the organization wasn't run financially the way it was that he never would have had to say that in a press conference yeah he would say we need to win 57 percent of our games yeah <laughs> and we need to make huge signings <laughs> yeah and i I think it definitely that's the you know the existing tension, but I also think part of why it's come to him more specifically over the last month, basically since he said that, is that people are fed up with the way he talks and yeah. and it and if he if he would just and I, I think I said this in kind of a, a various different ways in certain threads, but if he would just like stop doing interviews and run the team the way he does. I think it would just be so much better. And that and that's not like I would like him to be less transparent. I appreciate that the Mariners organization is transparent. But I just think the the way that he does transparency now is like so played out that the organization needs to the organization they need to communicate boring boringly. I'm sorry. Like right. yeah. The the in, the insights being interesting are cool, but when the insights are telling fans to fuck off essentially yeah. it's not it's it's not gonna work like, yeah. it's like shut the fuck up i'm doing you a favor All yeah right. like, like can't, the insight cannot be that condescending like the no, insight can't. like yeah. here's how we ended up signing this prospect yeah. it's, it's like not you, you need to be more boring and you need yeah. to be less the the controversy is not good for anybody involved and it was just such a mistake I know. Yeah. It's like, fuck you, but come to fireworks night on July 5th. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, like, come to Star Wars night. We, we'd love to be sold out. Like, uh, thank you. I love going to Mariners games, man. It's one of my like, favorite things. And it's, it's so depressing that I feel part of the way I feel about them right now, which is just like really angry about how they treat people like me who are lifelong fans. Yeah, yeah, I that's spent, what spent too much money on gear, tickets, and I've I've given you guys too much money to be told like we're not trying to win that many games. Like we're yeah. just trying to make it through on our budget. And I'm like, huh? Well, I think it was like damn. six years. There, it was it was like five or six years ago, Sam. Before we even did this, I took a year off of the May. <laughs> I told I told Sammy, I was I like, you know what, like 2017 or something. I think yeah, it must have been 2017. I was like, you know what, fuck them. They don't care about me. They make me feel like shit. I'm taking a year off, and I, I, I don't think it was that. It's 2017. I can't tell you anything about the 2017 season. I'll tell you this, though. They didn't make the playoffs. Not a good season. So, 
I think it was like a 60 win season. Wasn't it like the la- like the worst season of the last 10 years? No, nah, that would have been 2017 would have been I think 75 wins. I'm almost sure that's the exact number. Um that's the year all their, pi- all, all their pitching 78. 78. 78, okay. That's the year all their pitching mm. fell apart. They had no pitching by like August. They traded for Marco Gonzalez because they had no pitching. And yeah, no, that was that was the year all their pets had all the pets' heads fell off in the rotation. So they, Next. They well, that was a good year to take off then. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. No, you, you, picked, you picked one of the – you picked the bad early DePoto year. Yeah, but yeah. no, now I can't take any more years off, unfortunately. But Well, yeah. fortunately and unfortunately, but I don't know, man. This team just gives me a headache. Like if it was a football team, 17 games, maybe I could like tolerate it. But it's 162 games, and sometimes you just feel like really – you're getting slapped in the face so often by them. Yeah, I, I, it, it's a – you know, my fiance, she found out I'm a Mariners fan, you know, very early on in our relationship. She was just like, she's like, I, I understand, like, why you go crazy about this team. Like, now she watches. She's actually from Houston originally, so maybe she, it's harder for her to understand because mm-hmm. their city always just, mm-hmm. like, the last 10 years, they just fucking win games when they're not, like, they just keep doing it. But she, like, she watches almost every Mariners game now, right? She just loves them. But she's like, I understand. She's like, at the end of this year, it's like, oh, everything feels just, like, weird about this team. There's always, like, things in the news about they said something weird. And then, like, the counting the kick happened. And you just had every game. It's like, oh, this team wins 10 games in a row, and then they suck for a month. And it, she actually started to say, like, being a person that watches Mariners every day is actually a very difficult thing to do. And I was like, oh, this is nothing. Like, this is these are the good years right now. These are good, these are good times right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can't say I had as much fun as I did last year this year. That's, that's um, true. It was yeah. a lot of angst um, and a lot of frustration throughout the year. August was very fun, obviously. But even in August, it was like, uh, like when is the when is the shoe going to drop? And, and really, <laughs> When's and the letdown? It, really, it really did. Um, yeah, I think uh, what you said about uh, like the Kelnick kick and some of the just weird vibes in the locker room this year, Paul, what Paul Seawald said the other day, um, or yesterday, I guess that was. I think yesterday on Chris Rose, right? Yeah, on Chris Rose podcast. I think that was super interesting um, mm. about how basically what happened with George Kirby would never have happened if Paul Seawald and Robbie Ray were there. And I think a lot of what happened with um, the lineup throughout the year is what a guy like Carlos Santana um, you know, as cliche as it is to say on Mariners But they Twitter, loved them in there, right? Oh, like, they should have just... re-signed Carlos Santana. Like, yeah. it's such a – that's been beat to death because it's like, oh, he's got a 90 WRC plus. And it's just like, yeah, but, like, you need guys to corral. Like, the guys are very young. You need guys that have been there. And Cal said that. You, you know, they, you need a guy in the room that can, that can set the tone mm-hmm. – for how you need to act and conduct yourself uh, to make a run to the playoffs and losing Robbie, the really I, honestly, and it's just the heat of the season that you're like on to the next kind of thing, but losing Robbie on game in game two for the entire year was shitty for them. I mean, yeah. not only because he would have been such a helpful guy to start games in August and September, but just because it sounds like, everything you hear is he is the leader in the, in the pitching room, him, right. him and obviously, but um, him specifically just is the guy that George would not have gotten to the microphone with, without him, 
if he had been there. And it was great to see him at the end of the year um, uh, come back. And I think it's going to – he's probably be with the team most of the year, uh, except when he's out um, on whatever rehab assignment he goes out on uh, before he comes back. So I think that'll be good. He won't be pitching for about half the year. But just having him around and, and yeah, because I, I, I just think it was – a team that didn't have a ton of leadership throughout the year. Um, JP's obviously the man, um, and Cal really stepped up, but it's not guys that have that kind of winning experience. And the guys that they did bring in, like Colton Wong, who's, you know, been to the playoffs a bunch, and AJ Pollock's been to the playoffs a bunch and played well in the postseason, notably. Uh, but it just you you need the guys need to be able to ingratiate into the locker room too and those guys just were terrible so they couldn't they couldn't it they didn't help very much it's tough like they really need to be that's definitely something this offseason they need to pay attention to is getting a guy that can sort of help set the tone now i think Johanny Suarez is good at that but it's just they really need like their players to not all regress like they did in the beginning of last year. Like that's just they really need to find whatever Seattle Mariners baseball folks. I don't know. I don't know if it's the weather or what it could be. Like, like there must be something to it. It has to factor in a little bit. I think they just showed up and they kind of got hit in the face with a lot of stuff last year. I just think they. Um. They just didn't have the 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 spark that they did, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know i I don't know how they fix it. Like obviously, Ty France needs to go to drive line and, and figure his stuff out. I didn't really have that big of a problem with Eugenio Suarez this season. I feel like mm-hmm. he's kind of what he is as a player. He, he is what he is. It was just I think my problem with him is not him. It's what we ask him to be. Like what? Yeah. Like he can't be our. He's not going to be an all-star fourth, third base. Yeah, he can't know? be our third or fourth like most reliable hitter. He needs to be our sixth or seventh most reliable hitter. I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's one of my he's one of my favorite players that they've brought in. Me too. In a long time. I think he's just an excellent dude to have around. He's a great competitor. He's a really effective clutch hitter. Uh, but yeah, he just wasn't very consistent at the plate uh, throughout the year, and so that really hurt them and then obviously like ty france who's been kind of a, a incredible doubles hitter doubles gap type gap power type guy for his career and just like his hit tools is, is insane right uh, just had a lousy season <laughs> just yeah. like like up and down there was really no besides like in kansas city in august there was like yeah <laughs> when he was totally like locked in at the plate and there it just there was no there was no sun breaks for him at all this year it was just so bad and so those guys being more league average will help i th- i guess they were both kind of league average but those yeah. guys being maybe a little bit more above average than league average and below it a lot mm-hmm. of points will help well if ty france i feel like it like suarez i i was looking up the numbers just cuz i was trying to remember i mean with 22 home runs and 96 RBIs, he's almost a he's a 20 and 100 RBI pretty much guy. And 
I know he wasn't a finalist for the gold glove, but he was right there. He's like one of the top five, oh, yeah. I mean, five guys. He didn't get it. Like I, I, I think his defense was the most valuable thing he contributed on a regular basis. Except yeah. And, and then runs batted in, but yeah, it, it's a, it's, it's a big part, right? Like almost having a hundred RBIs mm-hmm. and having the gold glove play at third, that that's worth it. The thing with Ty France that was extra frustrating is I feel like once you see him become an all-star last year, I know there was probably, you know, there was some regression after he was an all-star, but I felt like you would expect not just a disastrous season the next year, right? Like, at minimum, I thought, I know you called it league average, which it probably is, yeah. but when you see yeah. a guy be an all-star and the way he played this year, it doesn't feel league average. It feels like a such a letdown because it, if that piece plays just 10% better, maybe we're an 89 win team or maybe a 90 win team and right there but like that's a guy we're relying on to be a, a top four or five batter in the lineup I mean he could have been batting eighth or ninth by the end of the year and it wouldn't even have I wouldn't even react to it because it's like yeah. he really what couldn't I, what hit the I say ball about Ty France in 2023 is it was a league average from a like hitting metrics perspective but it was not valuable to the degree of league average like he had a 104 um, WRC plus, and I think he probably was above average in OPS plus two. But he to only be worth half a win for an entire season like that is not. That's a below average value, uh, even though it's a slightly above average. Right. So it it really just wasn't. It wasn't a valuable player. Like that's the, the biggest <laughs> Simply thing. Simply put, yeah, <laughs> it was just a guy that like he would mostly hit singles. He's super inflated by the fact that he uh, has a version of walking that he does twice as well as any other player, aka just taking it on the arm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just leaning like, in the elbow. <laughs> yeah, he has. He has that. Like he takes advantage of that. And I, you know, I'm not sure whether I think that that's why he hits poorly because getting hit on the arm makes him a worse hitter. But I think that that's a lot of his statistical profile is inflated by that. But I think that part of the problem with that being kind of his approach is that when he gets to first base, it's the least valuable thing you could possibly have on first base. Right. And if if he's not doing it, with runners in scoring position and he's just getting on base and it takes two hits to score him or a walk and a hit or yeah, he, he's not someone that advances two bases with any sort of regularity um, or an extra base. Um, Then it's so it's just not a valuable contributor. He needs to be hitting the ball into the gap and over the fence. He, He lost most, especially the over the fence, but, it's crazy. I was at the um, I was at the Friday game um, that they crushed the Rangers, and he just hit a freaking missile right over my head. Yeah, and it was like, what the, what the hell? Where's this? Where's this been? All season, like that thing was crushed, and it, it's just it's brutal. I don't know what they need to do to get him that sort of like consistency where he doesn't lose it for long periods like he did this year. But yeah, I really think that that's their that's their best path forward is him being significantly above average again, and Daniel Suarez having some more consistent power because 
you know, they're going to lose to Oscar Hernandez. I'm almost entirely positive. Um, and they're going to have basically everyone else. Um, the nice thing about the Paul Seawall trade, although um, quite controversial at the moment, at the moment <laughs> and he is the highest leverage reliever for one of the four teams still in the playoffs, uh, is that they kind of did the off-season trade for guys to try out at second base already, which is good. Right, with Bliss. Because I hate... I have Bliss and Rojas. Because yeah. I hate... I hate that genre of move for them because they've... It's produced <laughs> 2021, 2022 Adam Frazier and 2023 Colton Wong so far. And I do not want to see what the third attempt would be. So I'm excited. <laughs> hey, they say third time's a charm, man. They yeah. do. Well, maybe it is. In this case. <laughs> they decided to do it in the middle of the year instead. And the the idea of the ninth spot in the order being occupied by a version of Josh Rojas, who was exactly the kind of league average ninth hitter you need in a strong side platoon in second right. base. And if they'd had it all season, they'd be in the playoffs. Um, and Ryan Bliss, who's like a really exciting um, prospect in a lot of ways uh, that has limitations, but I feel like is the exact kind of player to sort of be a spark uh, for the team on the weak side of that is that's great. And it's so nice that they don't have to go get some, to use my favorite word for Adam Frazier, some slapdick off of a, a roster that they don't, that they're being given away for a bucket of balls. And this guy is going to be the, is going to be the, you know, top of the order hitter to start the year. And and thank credit to J.P. Crawford as well for that because J.P. Crawford becoming a legitimate leadoff hitter, which he was not in 2022, has made that role a lot less stress for, for the Mariners' offense. Yeah, That platoon can be Josh Rojas, who shouldn't be hitting at the top of any lineup. Right. It, 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 it's, a, it's a much less intensive spot to fill. Like, they've... They've come to opening day with Adam Frazier and Colton Wong both hitting at the top of the lineup the last few years. And that's just like completely tanked in like a week and they got moved down like both times. And so I'm glad they don't have to run that back again. But it seems very clear that they have to be in contention for Shohei Otani. If Juan Soto is truly available, they have to try to be at least competitive. Although I think, you know, there's there's things to discuss there, but really the only thing that they necessarily have to really go after is someone to play that spot where Teoscar is vacating, right. whether that's um, Otani as a DH and then whoever would be um, sort of the fourth outfielder moves up or they go and get somebody else. I, there's a lot of ways to approach it. Um, but I do think the end of the day, if they can improve some of the guys, on the roster that were weaknesses in 2022, like Ty France going to drive line being probably the easiest example that the bare bones are still there for them. And they don't have to get crazy to sort of fix a lot of the issues. Right. And if you can get a Jared Kelnick who looked like he did maybe early in the season in some version of it, I'm not saying like that spring training, we went to like a few spring training games. Mm -hmm. Like every time we're at a game, the guy was just hitting the ball. Like, like 50 feet out of the park. Like every time he's at bat, I was like, Dude, this guy, he's about to be an MVP this year. He was unbelievable. And then 
early in the season, you started seeing those games like in Chicago where he yeah. hit it over the batter's eye. And it was like, holy shit, here he is. He's arrived. And then it was just back to kind of like, eh, he's like a 240, it, 250 I, type it's, of guy. It's confidence with him. I, I think that's all it is. I mean, we've seen the tools. Or emotion. Just, or emo- Well, yeah, emotion, confidence, head. It's, it's here, whatever it might be. It's not, it's not the skills, I don't think. I think he has all the tools. He's talented for sure. Yeah. He's he's such an uh, interesting subject because it's so <laughs> it's so controversial. First of all, although I think less so maybe since the kick, I think <laughs> sort of like if you talk about Jared Kelnick, five people will come on with opposite opinions. Has kind of died down. Yeah, somebody says he's angry. He never smiles. The next person yeah, he's not that good. And says the... like I love him. He's the best. Like yeah. <laughs> like it's like both sides. I think it's calmed down a little bit. Um, but yeah, I just think the way he was at the end of the year was so weird Um, because at the beginning of the year, like you said, he was this sort of powerful, you know, dynamic hitter. Then he kind of like lost his feel and was striking out a ton. And then what he came with at the end of the year was this guy who was just an insane, he, he, he drew so many walks at the end of the year, but he had no pop in his bat. So it, it's, it's such an inconsistent mess um, that I really just have no idea what to make of his 2023 and how to spin it forward. But I do think, like, obviously, if he's around next year, well, first of all, if he's not around, he's been used in a way that is probably pretty additive because they probably won't trade him unless they get something quite um, helpful for him. Mm-hmm. And he probably wouldn't be sort of a principal trade piece anyway. But I think if he's around next year, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with him having a pretty good role. Same. I do think obviously like he won't play as much against lefties until he kind of is, is showing that he's in a full groove. But I I think it's I don't think we're having the conversation we were last year where you're not sure if you're giving Kelnick a starting spot. I think it's pretty right. obvious that if he's around, he's starting in left field or right yeah, field. And if if not, not let him go. Like, do something. My fear know. is he ends up somewhere, I don't know, like Colorado one day and is batting 280 with 35 home runs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and honestly, like, if so, good for him because the organization fucked it up. Like, I, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Like, the, the way that they've, you know, it's part of it's his fault, obviously, but the way that they have dealt with each other for four years now has just been horrible. Yeah. No, that's true. The Kevin Mather stuff. I mean, it's everything up to that point and like very clearly trying to sort of like lowball him when he was still a prospect uh, to, to get him a team friendly extension and then him coming out and saying that um, and getting fired for it. And then sort of just the whole like, up and down where it hasn't, you know, I'm not saying it's entirely the fault of the organization, but whatever they've had hasn't worked. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't blame him if he was a change of scenery guy who just blossomed yeah. elsewhere. I mean, we see that all the time with the Mariners, unfortunately, but yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, <laughs> I, very, I think he's, uh, he's pretty locked in to, starting outfield spot this year. And I actually think that that's a good thing because I think he's a good, he's a good guy to have um, in your team at sort of the, 
mid to back half of the the active roster. I think he's mm-hmm. he's a quality contributor who they just kind of need to figure out what the best system is for him because he's just so he's so erratic uh, from a performance standpoint. They just need to sort of find what the best um day-to-day role for him is because I because I do think he's he's talented and he's he's a cut above just sort of the the Mariners roster fringe type guys right very much so I think because and that's it's a uh, man I mean I, I I could say a lot about <laughs> I was gonna keep going on something about Kelnick and I was like you know what I'm gonna. We're at we're at hour and seven. So I was like, yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain from. I was gonna start a set another topic there, but I am gonna ask you two quick things before we go, and uh, we definitely want to do this again sometime because it's yeah, a great time. We love talking Mariners baseball. One, I'm gonna ask a question from. Uh, this is gonna be a quick one. A question from yes, Twitter. Sir. From Mariner Jersey Tracker, he's the one that did the uh, like the awards, yeah, which you guys got. That was, that was super nice. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. And you guys got the Best Mariners Account Award. It was really cool. Hopefully next year we was talking about doing a, the Trident Trophy. It was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> hey, if someone wants to mail me a Trident, I will not say no. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. He asked, I'm going to ask you these quickly, is favorite Mariners jersey of all time? Oh, gosh. Uh, like one that I've had or just in general? I just think in general. Oh, so like, what's the nicest? Oh, wow, that's a different question. I was thinking, like, what's my favorite stupid Mariners thing I've had? Um, uh, oh man, um, I think the the ones I love to run in in the show are like the the super teal forward like eighties and nineties jerseys uh, with with the 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 Trident M. I think those are awesome. I, I, I love oh, those. That's yeah. kind of my color scheme. I like. You know the the version of this that isn't like the super shitty, um, uh, like super made for uh, Jersey sales uh, City Connect <laughs> yeah. version, like the the real like like the OG one. <laughs> yeah, like the OG like teal and and in gold yeah. yellow with the with the pitchforks and and all that. Like I lo- I love that. So I'm 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 big I'm big on those. Um, Current jersey, I like the Northwest Green, as they're yeah. officially yeah. supposed to call it, uh, better than most. Uh, I was going to say teal as a teal, but Northwest yeah. Green, teal. yeah, whatever they know, call it, whatever they call figure it. I figured I would give it the the official name, but I yeah, yeah I think those jerseys are my favorite ones. I want to answer the question the way I originally thought, though. <laughs> my uh, when we were like. I was in college. I think my brother was in high school. Um, my mom would always buy us like jerseys randomly instead of jerseys. And she got me a Taiwan Walker one and him a Cattell Marte one in 2015, oh. <laughs> I think. And then they made that trade three months later. <laughs> Send both of them at the same time to Arizona, yeah. which is sick. So, yeah, that's, like, that's cool. cool. Bad things happen to guys who I have jerseys of. I have Ty France and Kyle Lewis currently in my rotation, and that's just not good. A lot of them in Arizona. You you got Taiwan, Cattell, and Kyle Lewis this year was technically in Arizona. I won my pitch uh, tonight. Is that tonight, that game? Yeah, the game's tonight. Uh, Oh, is he pitching for the Phillies tonight? Yeah. But he's on the Phillies He hasn't pitched all playoffs, but they haven't needed a game four, uh, like a real game four starter. Oh, wow. 
he's going potentially. So I got Cattell Marte. Do we? There's a Cattell Marte walk off yesterday in the Seawald pitching, and I know it's always ex Mariners all over the place. Cattell's a dog, man. I'm so I happy him. for him. Like I had a tweet about how he got a raw deal in Seattle, and I mean, I, I guess, I guess I could see the the disagreement, but getting getting a debut on a team of like crazy Latin veterans like he did um, like with just like that team was just like absolutely stacked with like experienced Latin dudes. And he came up as like a 21 year old and just flamed out like he did where, especially in his age 22 season where he was playing a ton of shortstop and was so bad. And it just was such a mental thing for him and for them to just like punt him and really like, him to take like as long as he did in Arizona to, to break out it like three years after, and then really has had an awesome career and made a ton of money and like credit to him for that. He's, he had to sort of reinvent himself and, and, and find himself. And I can't imagine what that would be like uh, to come up on that Mariners team and just yeah. given up on. So I appreciate his success a lot. And he's my, well, which I appreciate as well. <laughs> I, I love it. it was, I was happy Me to too. see it yesterday. I, I do have this one. I have t- two more quick questions. Okay. They're like they're quick. Favorite non Mariners jersey? Like what? Not that you own, but like your favorite. Who's who's the best jerseys in baseball outside the Mariners for you? See, so I'm such a like the baby. You know, the baby blue kind of is my favorite uh, pattern. It was it gonna be um, that Blue Jays baby blue? No, the Phillies no. baby blue. Yes, thank you. Yeah. No, not, never yeah. Blue Jays. No. I know. I was gonna say, no, dude, that's no. why I was like, whoa. No, I like the I like the blue Phillies jersey a lot. Yeah, With those that, are so uh, nice. With the red P, one, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the one that's in it. um they wore in Game Three, I think, where they just hammered the Braves, um, and they were wearing those, and that that was awesome. Yeah, also, an underrated thing to do. I, I'm I'm not a fan of how the I feel like not a lot of teams wear their alternatives in the playoffs. Like I was. Yeah. Yeah, no, thinking, I was super surprised. Yeah, like I thought the this Diamondbacks the should have worn the the teal, the old school with the you know, like they wore. Oh, oh, okay. Purple. That yeah. might be my favorite jersey of all yeah, time. Yeah, so those are some of the best ever. When I was a kid, before I moved to Seattle, I was uh, like, when I was like like six, I thought the Snakes jerseys were super cool, and so I loved that team for a while. And when they won the World Series, that jersey, Luis Gonzalez, is like my 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 original. <laughs> favorite baseball player and he is just like those jerseys are the best and i love it whenever they wear that because they've been through a lot of unnecessarily bad jerseys as a right. shitty changes yeah so bad <laughs> they like got like those gray jersey. and like, crimson ones bad. they tried oh like the gray yeah. and crimson ones we they tried with like the yeah. red and gold shoulder the pads everything no. yeah yeah i was like what are they right now they're okay but like they're, they're better yeah yeah they, but they like fix, they, they changed the scheme unnecessarily Yes, and from the purple and green, which were just the best, and and they they have gotten better. They they refined the scheme because the scheme they they originally changed when they changed the scheme the the way the colors were were awful, but yeah. they <laughs> refined it in a better way. But anytime they wear the purple and greens, it's just so sick because those are I such know. good. They should have those, and I think they should have. I have the hat. It's not here. It's over there, but the Diamondback with the the D Snake. That's the one yeah. that they should. Oh yes, the yeah. D Snake. The D. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had one of those hats when I was yeah. little. Oh, those are the best. Yes, the, the, those are good. Yeah, the, but I also like the Phillies jerseys. Um. Well, before we go, I want to just mention the playoffs right now, and yeah. I I have a question for you, and then you can just tell me what your thoughts are on the playoffs. Yeah. This uh, Astros Rangers game has been in delay for the last like ten minutes. I think Garcia oh, yeah. just got. He Garcia just got thrown out after his home. He hit a home run to take a four-two lead, 
And then next time up, of course, you can guess they pegged him. And he freaked out. You, you, they, they, it's like oh, the I have to go see this. Oh my god! Yeah. I've just been like staring at this screen for a while. Oh yeah. my god! No way. And, and Dusty Baker's still like he's going at it with. This Tom has been like now. a twenty-minute delay. Like it's maybe been twenty minutes of them just screaming at each other because Garcia would not. You know, do you know who the pitcher was? Uh, Press. No, was Press. it Presley? I think was it no, Presley? I think, no, I think they just brought him. I think they they might have both gotten kicked out. It might be Presley. That's a good question, actually. I'm not sure. It might be Presley, but I know he went straight at the catcher, like got pegged, turned around, <laughs> got in his face. And then, like, they, everyone kept pulling away. He was doing, like, that push off where he tries to run around and go back and get him. So it's still they, going, too. Yeah, it's still going. It's been like 20 minutes. It, it's because so now they have runners on first and second, no outs, up 4 2. Texas is still up. But Astros, of course, pegged them after his next time up after his home run. When you watch these games, like for me, I know for my brother, it makes no difference to him, he says. But like for me, None. I still, I still, like, I, I don't want to see Texas win the World Series. I want it to be Arizona or, or Philadelphia. Okay. But like, Same. I root for the Rangers so badly over the Astros still. I don't know what it is. For me, no matter what it is, I can't, I can't handle seeing Houston win. So I definitely, I definitely want to make it clear that I am not. Um, one of those people who is cheering for the Rangers to succeed. So I'm right about the Mariners needing to spend more money. I want to be very clear that that's not why I'm cheering for the Rangers. But absolutely, man. I was watching okay, like, so you game feel two. Me. I was watching game two uh, on like whenever that was earlier this week. And they were whooping them. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I want the Rangers to win so bad. And I don't that's know. That's how why. I felt. I, it just yeah. hurt me. I was like. I was like, man, I just want that. I just want somebody to beat the Astros. And and I was like, ah, oh, God, like I hate both of these teams. Like I can't stand <laughs> it. But then when I got there, I was like, oh wow, I'm just so in the tank for the Rangers because I just cannot. I like want the Astros to finally lose the like the championship series so bad. <laughs> like, me well, too. For me, but, for yeah. me, it doesn't matter. Like I hate both of these teams. Now, oh, in the, yeah. whoever comes out of this, I'm rooting for the NL team hard. Oh, absolutely. The problem for the Mariners would honestly be the Rangers are another team that hasn't won the World Series. And, like, obviously the Mariners are the only team that hasn't been in the World Series. Yeah. But there's still a list of, like, I think seven teams that haven't been. Yeah, the the Brewers, the Mariners. Padres. Padres, yeah. uh, Rockies. Yeah, the Rockies. I forget the Rockies even exist. Yeah, Nationals Uh, got it. Nationals were the last team that hadn't been. The Rays. Until they did that, so it's just yeah. the Mariners, mm. the Rays, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So there's like there's like six or seven still that haven't, and and the division rival crossing that off, the one that hasn't won crossing that off, would be pretty pretty brutal. Um, I agree, yeah. but I'd still much rather, person, I'd much rather person. see the Rangers go win the World Series than the Astros. Like it's just, and maybe it's elevated for me. My fiance lives in Houston, right? So she has brothers. Mm sisters, brother-in-laws, in-laws that all love the Astros. And so to me, I'm like, I can't fucking handle it. When the, I literally get texts from her cousins and, you know, people like, oh, Astros again. And I'm like, fuck off. I hate this team. Like, you guys know I hate this. <laughs> like, I just want them to lose. Like, I, I've never rooted for the Rangers in my life for a game. But like, watch, like you said, watching game one and game two when they were winning, I had this weird joy. And I'm like, why am I so excited about the Rangers winning? I must oh, hate yeah. the Astros. Yeah, no, I, I really, I really don't like, I really don't like the Rangers at all. Like, especially like some of their players just like drive me insane. Um, the one that just got hit and it being probably number one on that <laughs> list. Um, but 
I, uh, yeah, I just couldn't, I, I sat down and I was like, oh, wow, I really am just cheering for someone to beat the Astros. Like, <laughs> yeah, me too. And like, maybe, like, obviously I'm super pro Phillies. Uh, Diamondbacks, I'm fine to bandwagon, but if they beat the Phillies, I don't think they're winning the World Series because I just do not think they're the way that they have showed up in some of these playoff games. Like, the, and it's how they played the Astros at the end of the year too. They just yeah. like they their bats can go for like f- like four games in a row. They yeah, just, they if just, they win they, the World Series, it so just shows like really, how much it doesn't I matter. Really worry about that um, with them, but uh, I think. Uh, I, I, I need someone to beat the Astros. That's like priority one. And I found yeah, myself just me being like, oh my God, the Rangers are like, they're going to do it. So I need them to do it. And yeah, if they go up, so it's four to two, right? It's four, four two, two right now. Yeah. Runners on first and third, two out. So they would make, wait, is it two one right now or two two? Well, the two, series? Two. Two, two, two. two two. So, so yeah, it'd be three two. Um, so yeah, Houston sucks at home, which is weird, but they just do. <laughs> what is wrong with that, huh? Like their whole. <laughs> Their whole, like, they had changed the batter's eye with, like, two weeks left. That's so weird. Yeah, and, for, again, for the team that's, like, the one thing they're, like, notorious for is, is you know, cheating to win at home. And and they're oh, – what, what a weird turn of events for them. That's crazy, though. I need to – I feel like I'm, I'm that, like, Trump video where he finds out that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died right now when he's telling me about this Astros, uh, this Astros Rangers brawl. I'm like, I'm just hearing about this. This is the you're first like, time. You're like, what's going on here? Yeah, there so was a I'm, lot. So I'm trying to, like, process this in real time as you're telling me. But it's, I think Abreu got ejected as well. Yeah, there was a couple it's, of ejections. it was Abreu. Yeah. Just, dude, I, I, that, guy is, that guy's good. That's yeah. um, I love though that it looks like Garcia's first reaction was to go fight Maldonado, which yeah. is that's yeah. like that's a guy that knows exactly who's making that call and like, yeah, he knows it's not the pitcher. Role. He literally yeah. got no. He's like, like no, this. he's fighting Maldonado. Right away. It's like oh, you are in control of this and yeah. you are telling him to hit me. So yeah. that's exactly what's going on. Like, we know what happened. Yeah, love that court <laughs> sense there by uh, by uh, by Garcia. Well, balls. we'll let we'll let you get to catching yeah. up. We'll we'll, we'll yeah. uh, it's been an hour twenty, but we've had a good time, so it kind of yeah. dragged on a little. I hope we we didn't hold you too long either. Yeah, but, I'll, uh, I'm happy to come back on it um, later in the off season and actually like, talk more like off season stuff because yep. like there was just so much to uh, decompress about with all the, <laughs> the bullshit that's been going yeah. around. It felt like a therapy session, to be honest. Oh, man, yeah. Gosh, I talked way too much about that press conference and, and like, the overall philosophy. But, you know, it's, it's so it, – they, they could have let us move on, but they just had to – they had to stoke the flames one more time. <laughs> they, they got to. make us feel like shit again. There we go. Yeah. I Thanks love so it. Man. Yeah, we'll, we'll do this again soon. Uh, especially – I mean, I'm excited. Once we get some more off-season stuff, we'll, we'll do it, and uh, hopefully maybe we can plan something – as the season goes on too and start chatting more because it's a it's a good time it's always fun yeah appreciate it guys thank you so do we man we appreciate it